Chapter Seventeen of A Winter of Content by Laura Lee Davidson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The mudcat season has come after the winter's diet of salt herring, and before the open season for bass and pickerel comes the mudcat, alias bullhead, to give us the taste of fresh fish again. From April fifteenth until the fifteenth of May is the close season for pickerel and from April 15th to June 15th it is forbidden to fish for bass, so now the humble mudcat comes to his own. Over on the Drapeau's shore, the men are all skinning bullheads for market. They have rigged up a machine that twists off the heads and strips off the skin at one turn of a handle. Andy Drapeau dips the fish out of the live box. Blackjack skins and beheads them. George Drapeau rakes away the offal. Harry Spriggins and Louis Drapeau pack the fish in barrels the whole shore reeks of them the beach is red with their gore for your bullhead is very bloody fish he is an ugly creature great head thorny spines wicked-looking mouth but he tastes very good indeed if one has not seen black jack skin him i have come in for the usual present and have to restrain my friends or they would give me at least half a barrel can you get their insides out if i take the hide off them asked black jack and I assure him that for the sake of fresh fish I can do anything. John Bolock was not there. The Bolock baby, my godson, was awful sick. Later in the day came young Lewis to the island to ask for the loan of some alcohol. The doctor had seen the child by chance as he was passing through the farm on his way to the lake, and had prescribed a warm bath and an alcohol rub. Young Lewis's eyes were big with horror, to wash a sick child was evidently the same thing as killing it outright. I supplied the alcohol and gathered up clean sheets, soft towels, a new washcloth, and talcum powder. Took shipping for Loon Lake. Rose Bulock sat in the center of a red-hot room, the window shut, the door shut, every chair, box, and square foot of floor space occupied by a child or a dog, and held the gasping, moaning baby, despair in her face, one look at its crimson cheeks and glazed blue eyes told me that it was an ill child indeed. My thermometer showed a temperature of a hundred and four when it came out from the burning little armpit. John stood beside the woodpile, called me as he left the house. Was the baby very ill? Ought he to send for the doctor? It was yes to both questions. Then John did some figuring in his mind. His beady black eyes stopped twinkling. His face grew stern and set. This has been a hard winter for Jack. The war stopped the export of mica, and the mines have been shut down. Last year was a wet season when the hay floated in the meadows and the grain sprouted in the stooks. It has been almost impossible to make ends meet. But if the child needed the doctor, well, he must be called, and he'd be paid somehow. John left the decision to me. I must call the doctor if I thought best. So away up the lake, three miles to the telephone. I rode, and the doctor promised to come the next day. Tell John to have a boat at Henderson's Landing for me at 7.30. I can't make the 15 miles there and back over these roads tonight. Meanwhile, keep up the bathing and the alcohol rubs, and tell Rose to keep that door open. Don't forget that. Tell her the child must have plenty of air. An injunction that Dr. LeBaron did not in the least expect to have obeyed when he gave it. It was merely a part of his general course of education. How did those eight people manage to breathe in that stifling room? How could that ill child survive in that foul atmosphere? I wondered, 
as i laid my weary body down on my clean cool bed and if i were worn out what must rose be who had sat for three nights with that tossing suffering baby in her arms whether the lake is more beautiful in the early morning or at sunset i have never been able to determine at six o'clock as i pushed off from the dock of the blue water the thrasher's liquid song followed the rhythm of the oars out on the open bay the swallows wheeled and dipped all round the boat so near that i could have touched their burnished blue-green backs on the beaches the sandpipers ran tipping up and down their plaintive piping mingling with the robin's song gentle breeze roughened the water and every little ripple that hurried to the shore was tipped with a winking star at bolak's all was in readiness for the doctor rosa's eyes were glazed with sleeplessness her face lined with fatigue but she found strength to comb and braid her dark hair the children's faces had been washed and the baby had been dressed in a little new pink cotton frock there was a dishpan full of newly hatched turkeys behind the stove for even if one child is dying one must try to save the fowl and there was a basket of young kittens under the bed but richard the pet lamb has been banished to the meadow and the hounds were tied to the fence john had gone for the doctor mary was alone with the ill child she had done all she could she could only wait i'm glad you got me his picture she said with a piteous little smile and looking over at a kodak print of the baby that we had taken some weeks before he's never been nowheres to have his picture took i guess i'll be glad of that one far out on the shining bay we saw the boat returning there was only one figure in it john was coming back alone the doctor had been stopped by an accident case he could not come until evening rose's lips trembled but she made no complaint what was the life of one baby when there were so many so many that needed the doctor back to the island for my midday meal back to loon bay to meet the doctor this time there were two figures black against the evening sky john was rolling with quick jerks of the short straight oars in the stern sat a bulky shape digging away with a paddle under its weight the upward pointing bow waved from side to side over the gunwale amidship came a steady stream of water mrs lebaron the doctor's wife crouched on the bottom was bailing away for life by gall said john as an aside to me as the party reached the hill by gall but the doctor is a heavy man i thought she was over two three times oh the method of these country doctors there's no talk of call me in the night if the change should come no promise i'll see you the first thing in the morning no dr lebaron only gave his verdict the baby had pneumonia the right lung was suffused he was a very ill child but he might pull through no one could tell and all the time the doctor's deft hands were making up powders counting tablets measuring drops on every packet he wrote the day and the hour the dose was to be given he set down the times for baths and nourishment he told us what symptoms we might expect he gave his directions over and over again slowly clearly waiting for a repetition of his words there was no haste no irritation at our ignorance only infinite care infinite patience then he ordered out the children the young turkeys and the cats shook hands with the mother stepped into the boat and was rowed away if the child lived we would not need him again if he died we were to notify him at once and twice a day he wished me to telephone him the baby's temperature respiration pulse and a general account of the progress of the disease and then when excitement was at its height someone broke my thermometer 
the only one in miles there was no more taking of temperatures and the child got well the last time that dr lebaron came to many islands it was to treat harry spriggan's boy who had cleft his kneecap straight through with an axe there was no fire in the house the doctor had to build one and boil a pan clean before he could sterilize his instruments there was no one willing to help him give an anesthetic so he had to sew up that wound while the boy sat and watched him do it how in the world did the child stand it doctor i asked well it was pretty hard on him answered the doctor i told him that i'd thrash him within an inch of his life if he moved it was the only way and the poor kid gritted his teeth and swore like a trooper all the time but the wound healed perfectly almost without a scar and the joint did not stiffen you would be quite surprised to know how little charity work i do continued the doctor giving me a very direct look from his keen gray eyes there are not many bad debts on my books the country people pay remarkably well all things considered a quick little smile flits over mrs lebaron's face at his words i imagine she could tell quite another tale doubtless she knows how much of time and strength and pity is given for which no money can ever pay what do you call charity doctor it is not of course charity to charge johnny bagno ten dollars for driving ten miles through the blinding snow to sit through the long night and half the day beside the bed where little john makes his delayed entrance into life to eat a breakfast of eggs in the shells and a dinner of potatoes in the jackets and to stand outdoors in the bitter cold to eat them because even the doctor in order to filth and foul air cannot eat in that poor room no the doctor does not work for charity the people tells me he gets paid for what he does younger men come from the hospitals of toronto and montreal and hang out their signs in queensport for a while they get a percentage of the town cases they do not go in for the country practice they young chaps is all very good when there's nothing much the matter says old mrs Drippole. but when it's anything bad we wants the old doctor yes that is it when danger threatens we want the man we know he has brought us into the world he has stood by us through life's trouble it is he who must sit beside us steadfast amid the gathering shadows as the soul starts forth through the darkness of the long trail to the land where there shall be no more night these country doctors up and down the roads they go by night and day through storm and fair weather treating everything operating for anything nursing instructing overcoming prejudice performing miracles of healing despite incredible difficulties to meet them is to come face to face with the eternal realities to hear them talk is to listen to a tale that cuts down deep into the beating heart of life. End of chapter 17